we're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Oh, Jesus is the answer. No matter what you are facing today, I want to tell you Jesus is absolutely the answer. He's not kind of sort of the answer. He absolutely is the answer. I want to tell you after years of serving the Lord, he is still revealing to me that he is the answer for my need. I'm telling you, I took my child to every hospital that would have him and most of them were at the point where they didn't want him yes. because they could not find what was wrong with him. But I want to tell you in just a small period of time, God showed me again that he is the answer for pain. He is the answer for depression. He is the answer for everything. William, are you still pain free? Can you clap your hands for the Lord? Praise God. Jesus is the answer. He's the answer. He's the answer. Amen. Welcome back to Redemption Church of Plano, Texas. My name is Chris Fluitt, and I welcome every one of you. Thank you for coming out to worship with us in person. I love it. Thank you so much for being here. You are missed when you are not here. I promise you that. And then thank you for everybody that's joining us online. Sometimes you are missed when you're not there because you got to let us know you're there. We want to know that you're there. We got people tuning in from Germany. Hey, George, we love you. We got people that are tuning in from up in, I believe it's, what is it Detroit? It's Detroit. Yeah, we got people. Detroit means it. Amen. Mark, hello. We love you guys. Thank you so much for reaching out to us. Thank you so much for being a part of the body of Christ. We're so glad to share Jesus with you. And whoever you are finding us tonight online, welcome Go ahead and just follow us and serve the Lord with us. We're so glad. We're talking about vision. Somebody remember our vision? It's four words. It's love, grow, serve, go. We're going to love God. We're going to grow faith. We're going to serve others. We're going to go change the world. We think that's a vision to be excited about. And we welcome everybody to join with us in that vision. This is step three of our next steps. We have done step one. We've done step two. Tonight is step three. Step one is for you to love God and be connected to a local body of believers that love God. And then in step one, we gave you our version of a church membership class. If you didn't know it, that's what that was. That was a, our version of a church membership class. That, that's step one. The fact that you're still with us tells us that at least you're contemplating your involvement with Redemption Church. And we're glad about that. Absolutely. Or even better, that you are happy to make that part of the vision for your life. And you're going to join us in that. We love that. Absolutely. We value uh, that you would call yourself a member of Redemption Church. But we want more for you than to just call yourself a member. We want more for you than to just show up occasionally and sit through a service. We want to see you love God and grow faith. And that's step two. We talked about your unique vision, your unique point. Did somebody say you're unique? Yeah, you are. Last week in step two, we set aside time to discover our personality and leadership style and to realize our spiritual gifting. There are natural giftings and styles within you 
that we don't have to motivate you for. Have, has anybody ever walked up and said, this thing right here that you love more than life and you think about it all the time and you're really excited about it and you've studied it for years and you just love to jump at the opportunity and somebody walks up, hey, would you do this for me? That thing that you like, that thing that you're passionate about, that thing, and you're like, are you kidding? Yes, we want church to be like that. Yeah. We want ministry to be exactly like that. When, when we're handing you something to do that you're passionate about and you're gifted towards and it's easy for you to do, then guess what? Nobody has to motivate you to do that. You're like, oh, yeah. You're like cracking your knuckles. Crack, crack, crack. Let me at it. That's what we want to see. We want to see that in you. You're already motivated this direction. You're already excited. You're already predisposed to accomplish the design of your creator God that he's put inside of you. As a church, we're going to facilitate what God's design is for you. I want you to please join me tonight on page three as we begin our step three tonight. Matthew 18 and 20, important verse, where two or three gather in my name, I am there with them. God desires that we would gather in his name. And God desires to gather with us, to dwell with us. Who knows that the Lord has dwelt with us already tonight? Good, isn't it? We believe that gathering in the name of Jesus is powerful. We believe that he is here with us right now, so let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us. We've gathered in your name. Lord, more than just a seminar or going through a workbook, Lord, what we really desire is you to speak to us, to lead us, to guide us. Lord, we pray, Lord, that as we are speaking about the things that you've called your people to do, that you would spark that in their heart. Lord, we come against the enemy that has told them they can't do it. We've come against the enemy who's told them they aren't able. And we call him a liar. And we declare that we can do all things through Christ who gives us his strength. We praise you tonight. Thank you for your word. And thank you for your people. And thank you for victory over every problem in the name of Jesus. Everyone said in Jesus' name. Now clap your hands because that felt good, didn't it? That felt good. Wave your hand at me. You felt God's presence. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? Ah, I didn't make that happen. That's, that's the Lord. He loves you. We're, we're right where we're supposed to be. feels good sometimes just to underline that for people. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. Amen, amen, amen. Our hope for you, our purpose of today is to get down to the details of what some might say make us a different church, different from other churches. We're talking about denomination, historical tradition, or even church doctrine and scripture interpretation. That's what most people talk about when we're talking about what makes us different. But we are going to talk about vision. And we're going to talk about value. That's what we're going to talk about. God has given Redemption Church a unique vision. That's our first blank there. If you want to write that in, see that? And Sam, I'm helping you out. Unique vision. And we want to show you how you can be a part of that vision. We, we want to share with, our folk, what, with you our focus as a church that what we have, what we value, and a few principles that will help us step 
fearlessly into that purpose that God has for us. That's a big word for us in ministry. Let me tell you, you will not go far in ministry if you stop when you're afraid. You got to learn to have a, a faith that sees giants and keeps going. That sees red seas and says, all right, Lord, let's see what you will do with this. With that, that sees multitudes of hungry people and says, here's some bread and casts it out and feeds multitudes. You, you will not go far in life if you walk in fear. So we're going to walk fearlessly into our purpose that God has for our lives. I like to think about it like this. We are going to give you the reasons of why you'll love it here at this church. There are churches all throughout our city and we thank God for them. We count them all as our brothers and sisters in Christ. Y'all know that? If you don't know that, that's absolutely how we feel about it. It is true. However, if you have visited many churches, you will probably agree that with what I'm about to say. Here it is. Not all churches fit your life. You ever walk into church and they just it doesn't fit what you want your life to be? And you go, oh, I tried to like this church. You ever, you ever like, I've been, to, I've been in those situations. And, and, you know, everybody's got a different life and every church is different and everybody's got their own gift things. But we, not all churches fit your life. What, what do I mean by that? Let's say it this way. There's no friends in that church. There's nobody to do life with. It's just a place to go hear a sermon and maybe the sermon fits your life. Maybe the sermon is applicable to your life. Maybe it's not. That's a church that doesn't fit your life. If it's, if it's a church that, that doesn't minister to your whole family and you've got a family, that's not a church that fits your life. We want a church that fits people's life. Okay? Not all churches fit people's lives. Next, not all churches fit your depth. Churches have different depth. And that's, that's a church that maybe you don't really learn or grow for whatever reason. Maybe it's a church that's so deep you can't keep up. Like the pastor is talking about theophanies. And you're like, which book of the Bible is theophany? Where is that? See, did I lose most of y'all? That's why we don't preach about theophany much, guys. There's some churches that have too much depth and that they just throw out all this stuff and you can't even keep up and you're just like my gosh I wish he would just tell me if Jesus loved me or not and then there's some churches that they lack depth and it's just like God just wants you to be blessed and that's it and you come back next week and bring your checkbook so not all churches fit your life not all churches fit your depth you gotta you need to be in a church where you're growing you need to be in a church where your faith is growing, your knowledge of God is growing, your gifting is growing, and your family is growing. And not all churches fit your calling. Now remember, I'm not bashing on churches. Every church is different. Every church is a brother and sister in Christ. But not all churches fit your calling. What do I mean by that? I mean that there's not a place in that church for you to use your gift. There's not room on that platform for anybody who plays your style of music. There's not a place in the youth ministry for somebody that looks like you. There's even these churches that you have to look a certain way to like even be on the ministry team. Insert skinny jeans here. That's a thing in our culture. It's strange. I, I, I do not get it. 
Not all churches fit your calling. You need a church that does all three of these things. It fits your life, it fits your depth, and it fits your calling. What, what we will go through today is our effort to be that church that fits your life, your depth, and your calling. Are you with me? 1 Corinthians 1 and 10 says, Let there be real harmony among you, so there won't be any splits in the church. I plead with you to be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. What is it? Let there be what? Real harmony among you. Do you agree that our world is completely harmonious? And that our world is completely unified and everyone loves each other. The other day, I think I saw Donald Trump and Joe Biden sharing a pizza together. And they were just laughing about how good life is. <laughs> Neither do I. None of that's true. Absolutely not. Our church is not, our world is not full of real harmony. People don't get along in this world. Our world is full of arguments. It's full of war. It's full of prejudice that divide us in so many ways. It makes Many people feel alone and isolated and unimportant. And that's the culture of our world. That's what our world is like. We need our church culture to not be like the world culture. We need real harmony. We need to be united in thought and purpose. Is that what the word said? Thought and purpose. Although we are uniquely different we are united and we are one in the person of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you that no one is alone here. If you have something to celebrate, we're going to celebrate it with you. We're united in it. If you have something to mourn, we are going to mourn with you. You are not alone. We are in real harmony together. And if you have questions, you know what we'll do? We'll ponder those questions with you. Sometimes I get questions that make me think. Sometimes I get questions that I go, well, what is that all about? That's this church. You can have your questions. You can have your celebrations here. You can have your mourning here. We're together, and there is real harmony. This community needs the church of Jesus Christ. It needs a church that is unified in thought and purpose. I want you to turn to a page. It's, it's the demographics of Plano. Around 300,000 people call Plano, Texas home. If you add up the, these next cities that are just within a 15-mile radius, it's well over a million people. Well over a million people. We've got cities like Dallas on that list. Cities like Rowlett all the way out there. We've got uh, McKinney and Allen, that's just a 15-mile drive. People drive 15 miles to go to the movies anytime. You drive past one movie theater to go to the other th theater because they got better chairs there. And you drive past one shopping center to go to the next shopping center because it's just a little nicer there. Let me tell you, there, will, there are people that will come to a church that fits their life, fits their depth, and fits their calling, and they won't question driving 15 miles. I commend the people in this church that are already driving from McKinney. They're already driving 
from up north in Aubrey. They're already driving from Allen. They're already driving from Dallas. Can we hear it for those people who are that committed? They're driving from Garland and Mesquite. Thank you so much. And even the ones that are just down the road. Glad you made it too. Glad you're here. Around 300,000 people live in this city we call Plano, Texas. The median age here is 38 years old. There's a growing diversity in this uh, city. In, in not too far distant future, probably the number of white people in our city will be below 50%. It's at 52. There are 21% of our community is of Asian descent. That might be a surprise to you. That's a people group we need to meet for Jesus, right? 15% Hispanic. 9% black. There is a 7% poverty rate. The poverty rate in Plano, Texas is 7%. That includes 8% of all children in our city are experiencing poverty. 9% of seniors are experiencing poverty. Poverty, that's a need. You want to know where a need is in our community? There it is. 7% of Plano needs someone to help them in some tangible financial way. 7% of our community has disability. There's all kinds of different disabilities out there. There, there are people that uh, are deaf. There are people that can't walk. There are people that are uh, that have something going on in their in their mind. There, there's all kinds of disabilities out there. 7%. That's a segment of society that might not be able to make a Sunday service in person. It would be great if there was a way to connect with them, maybe online, a way for us to go see them when they can't see us. Maybe there's a church that would have that kind of heart to do that for those people. There are 15% of the people that live in our community that are non-U.S. citizenship. That means that they, know, that they do not, at this point, hold citizenship in our country. I want you to realize that that's 15% of our society right here that is deeply connected with the foreign world. I'm telling you, we're always looking for a place beyond our country to spread the gospel, there is all the networking we need probably to have a worldwide revival in that 15% that live in Plano. Do you see that? Do you yeah. see it? Yeah. When there's a catastrophe in another part of the world and the tsunami hits uh, an island, the person that lives on down your street might be from that community. We don't have to go through some far off uh, organization in order to impact that community. Now we know people through people. 15% are non-U.S. citizens and 27% are foreign born. Does that surprise you? Maybe is that a little higher number than you expected? There, there are a great amount of Asian uh, communities here. There are a great amount of African communities here. We'll run into all those wonderful things, Mexico and Latin America. I want to ask you in these numbers, do you see the need for redemption? I want to tell you that this 
community needs the church of Jesus Christ. They need a church that is full of Jesus, that is full of love, that's not all about the money, that's not about looking pretty, that's not all about, well, I'm going to heaven and that's all I care about. This community needs the church of Jesus Christ, that they walk like Jesus, they talk like Jesus, they love like Jesus, they give like Jesus, they serve like Jesus. Do you see that in these numbers? Because I need a church that sees a need for itself. In order for us to meet the needs of the community, we need you to do more than attend. It's so cool that you attend. We love that you attend. We celebrate that you attend. We're really happy that you attend. But in order for us to reach this community, 7% disabled, 7% poverty, 21% Asian, 27% foreign born and maybe not connected into the community yet. In order for us to impact this city, we're going to need you to do more than attend. Say amen if that makes sense. Does it make sense? We need you involved in your community. You realize this is just the starting point. We love you being involved here, but we want to take it beyond the walls of this church. We want you involved in your community. We need you living out the values of your church. Earlier we talked about the differences. Now wipe the word differences out. It's the word values. It's about what we value as a church. Number one, what kind of church are we? Here's two words. We are spirit-filled. We value a spirit-filled life, a life that is filled, born again, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.11 says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. It is our value, it is our mission, it is our purpose to see people, look at them and tell them, God wants to live inside of you. You're not walking into a religion that's just a bunch of words on a page. But you're walking into a place where God can fill you with the Holy Spirit. That's the kind of church you walked into today. We're not afraid of the Holy Spirit. We know that the Holy Spirit is alive and well, and he is still raising people from the dead. He is still resurrecting lives. He's resurrecting homes. He's resurrecting marriages. He's resurrecting your, your calling and your purpose. That's with the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. There is a fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and there is a fellowship in the Holy Spirit. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are literally fellowshipping with God. There, You don't get closer to God than that. But when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we actually fellowship together by that same Spirit. That's what makes prayer so powerful. That you can pray in the Spirit, and the Spirit is already in Beirut, Lebanon. And when you pray in the Spirit, God can move on someone in Beirut, Lebanon. And they walk in, into a coffee shop and run into a guy named 
Pastor Matt Hattaball and Matt, Pastor Matt Hattaball can say, well, tell me, what do you know about Jesus Christ? And their heart will just explode because God has already been touching their heart. We have stories just like that from Beirut, Lebanon and all the ministries that we're going through. What is the Holy Spirit? That's a good question. Another question is who is the Holy Spirit? Because it's literally the person of God. Old Testament Hebrew word is the word ruach. Say ruach. Yeah, it means a wind, a breath, a violent exhalation, a blast of breath. Right there in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, it says the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the spirit, the ruach of God was hovering over the face of the waters. New Testament, we have the word pneuma. Can you say pneuma? pneuma. It means a current of air, a blast of air, a strong breeze john 6 and 63 if the spirit the pneuma who gives life the flesh counts for nothing the words that i speak to you jesus says are pneuma they are spirit and they are life this is the jesus who breathed on his disciples he blew air on them and said receive the holy spirit that's pneuma and what happens in acts chapter 2 what's the first thing that happens there is the sound of a wind that blows into that place in Acts chapter 2. And they are filled with the pneuma, the Holy Spirit of God. Here's what everything the Holy Spirit is for us. The Holy Spirit is our helper. Can you say that? Helper. John 14 and 16. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. That he may abide with you forever. Anybody need help? You have got a helper. It is the Holy Spirit of God. Yeah. Two. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. Everyone say teacher. But the helper, my Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. That's John 14 and 26. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. Here I want to tell you that we embrace the supernatural. The word super means beyond, beyond. So when we say supernatural, we, 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 everyone believes in the natural, right? Yeah. Everyone believes in the natural. Slap yourself on the face. You're natural. You feel that. We believe in the natural, but we also believe in more than the natural. We believe in a God who is not bound by the natural. We believe in a God who can walk on water. We believe in a Jesus who did raise a little girl from the dead and did say, Lazarus, come forth, and did himself rise from the dead. We believe in a Jesus who heals people. We believe in a Jesus who can cast out unclean spirits of the enemy. We believe in the supernatural. We embrace it. We want it in us. Let me tell you, sometimes the supernatural can be scary. Because why? You're not used to it. But I want you to get used to it so you are no longer afraid of it, but you expect it. I've been thinking a lot about my church growing up. One of my favorite memories, Clive flew up from our church there in Waco, Texas. There was a little, there was a little plaque, a little, you buy a little plastic plaque and they etched words in it. And they had two words on it. Those words were expect miracles. Oh, I want that kind of church that expects miracles. That when we pray, we expect God to move in the supernatural. That when we witness to people and we invite them to church, 
we actually expect them to come. Even if they've told us five times that they're not interested. We expect miracles. We expect God to draw someone from the street today. And for them to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and say, you mean God still can use somebody like me and run to this altar? We expect it. Why? Because we embrace the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is supernatural. Next, we believe supernatural things are completely possible. We believe that he can still heal. We believe that he can still raise the dead. I mean, far out things that you have trouble believing. Even when we have trouble believing, we believe that God can do it. Lord, if you will, it can be done. Somebody say that. Lord, if you will, it can be done. We believe that. We believe in the supernatural. Number two. So we are a spiritual church. But number two, we are a Bible-based church. 2 Timothy 3.16. The whole Bible was given to us by inspiration from God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and helps us do what is right. It is God's way of making us well prepared at every point, fully equipped to do good to everyone. We believe that the Holy Bible and only the Bible is the authoritative and unfailing word of God. It alone is the final authority in determining all doctrinal truth. A vibrant relationship with God is sustained through Bible study and through prayer. We believe that. Psalm 119 and 64 says, The earth is filled with your love. Teach me your decrees. God, teach me your word. God, teach me your commands. God, teach me what what it says in the word of God, the Bible Accept that God's word is my highest authority. We want you to accept it. We want you to embrace that. Hold on to it. That, that's our next blank. I want you to feel accept. Not E-X-C-E-P-T, but A-C-C-E-P-T. Accept it. Take it. Come to the place where even when you aren't sure about the word of God, you accept it in such a way where you say, God, I'm not even sure how this is true, but I believe it's true, and I believe you're going to show it to me. Accept it. Next, receive. Receive God's word with an open heart. That's one of the powerful things about coming to a connect group, coming to church service together, listening to the podcast. It is you receiving the word of God. And then respond. Always respond to God's word with obedience. Every time we come together, we look to respond. We always pray in our connect groups together. And we always come and talk to God at the end of our services together after we have received the word. Accept, respond, receive, and respond. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. We want you to hear the word today. But we want you to do what it says. We must avoid the temptation to pick and choose what in the Bible we will believe and obey. That is a absolute, you you do not believe what a big temptation that is even in the church world today. I am currently in a Bible class, a college Bible class. And my goodness, 
I am talking with ministers on, on forums and I wonder if they even believe the Bible is true anymore. It is shocking. We must avoid the temptation to say, this verse is hard. I don't believe that one. This verse is nice and flowery and pretty and it looks good on a bumper sticker. This one I'll take. We've got to avoid those temptations. We must let God's word speak and we must obey. Can you say amen? amen. Next, we are an others focused church. We're not just focused on the people in this room. We're so glad that you are here. We're so glad that you call this your church home. We're so glad that you're ministering here. But number three is you are others focused. We are an others focused church. We want to focus on those that have not yet come here. We want to focus on those who have not yet believed. They've not yet repented. They've not yet let go of some things in their life that are hurting them. We're focused on them. We want to reach them. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's Luke 19 and 10. Do you know that, that Jesus Christ came for that reason? That's why he came. He was others focused. There were times he was focused on some people. And the Pharisees like, ah, see, he's focused on those sinners over there. Something wrong with this Jesus. No, there's something right about this Jesus. There's something wrong about a Pharisee that's only interested in their own pocketbook and in their own power and only in feeling good about themselves. There's something wrong with that. It's been said that the only institution that exists for the benefits of its non-members is the church. We embrace that completely. Everything we do is geared towards giving glory to God and getting as many lost people saved as possible. Jesus. Who agrees with that value? You like that value? Yeah. Embrace it with me. Number four, we are a vision-driven church. We have a vision for a reason. That's what we want to be. That's how we're going to live. That's how we're going to make our decisions. Our vision is to love God. And we want you to attend our weekly services and learn how to love God together. And let's, let's love God together. We, we're going to build these services around that, to love Him. And then to grow in faith, that we, we really want you to join or even start a, smart, a small group. A smart group too, but also a small group of people where you're growing in faith together. You're growing their faith, they're growing your faith. And then we want to serve others by doing that, our, our entryway for that is to do what you're doing right now, to come through next steps. And that's how you learn where to serve in this body of Christ we call Redemption Church. There's a place for you to serve others. So come through this step and we'll do that together. And then last, we want you to go change the world. The going change of the world is joining the team. Yeah. It's you saying, yep, I'm down for that. I've made my decision. Let's work together. And that's what we want. Now listen, uh, you can find a church on every street corner that you can join the church and they'll clap. They'll go, oh, we have a new member here today and that's so wonderful. I love it when people join the church. That's really a good thing. We love it. But if we don't take them beyond joining a church, we will never change the world. They will never find their calling. They may never Love God to the extent that they could love. We want to bring you past all these things. We're going to go step by step 
We're going to do it together. God is centered in our vision. God is the very center of this vision. And you are center in this vision. This center, the, this vision is all about you. This vision is all about you. Do you understand that? This vision is not just about what God can do, but it's what you can do with God. And we're excited about that. And we want you to be excited about it as well. If we can set God free to move in our church, there's no telling what can happen. If, if we can set you free to work in your God-ordained gifting and calling, there is also no telling what can happen. You are a 10. Look at somebody and say, you are a 10. Unless, unless you're married. Don't do that. You're a 10. Here's what I want you to know. Each person is a 10 in something. There is something that you're extremely gifted at. You're a 10 in some area. And it might be an area that you overlook, but we're not going to overlook it. The area that you're incredibly gifted in. It could be that, oh, I don't have any gifting. And everybody's like, what, are you kidding? Do you know how patient and loving you are? You're a 10 in that area. I'm only good at computers. I can't, like, get up and talk good. You're good at computers. You're a 10 at computers. My gosh, I may or may not have broken our internet this week, like for a, like about four hours, we had no website because of me. We need computer people. You understand? You're a 10 at something. You're a 10 at something. Each person is a perfect 10 in something. Let's find that gifting and get to work. With God's help, there's no telling what can happen. Next, number five. Number five, giving church. Somebody say giving. For God so loved the world that he... Gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The gospel is the ultimate demonstration of God's generous nature towards mankind. God is generous. God's a giver. The Bible consistently teaches that God blesses us so that we may bless others. God blesses us so that we may bless others. The happiest people on earth are givers. The happiest people on earth are givers. There's a reason the Bible says God loves cheerful givers. God's word speaks about cheerful givers. We're talking about developing a lifestyle of being a giver. Give away what you most hold on to. Surrender it to the Lord. And you'll be shocked how happy you will be. Next, we celebrate givers. That's our next word there. We celebrate givers. Whatever you give, however you give, whenever you give, you become a part of what God is doing here at Redemption and throughout the world that is worth celebrating. If you only gave a dollar, it's worth celebrating because God's going to take that. He will multiply it for his use. And there's no telling who that will help. You'll be surprised what one dollar can do when you put it in the hands of the Lord. There are three areas of giving I want you to get. Number one, we give of our time. Everyone said time. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. That's Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. Next, we give our 
talents. Everyone say talents. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. 1 Corinthians 12 and 7. You have a talent. Whatever that talent is, you can give that talent. And three, we give of our treasure. Time, talent, treasure. If your gift is giving, give generously. Romans 12 and 8. One of the gifts is actually giving. We talked about all of those spiritual gifts. There is a spiritual gift of giving. We are so blessed to have people with that spiritual gift in this church. Let me talk to you about that for just a moment. Listen, there are people that they get joy from giving. They don't, they look at a Starbucks drink and they go, that is way too much. And I don't get enough joy out of that. I'm going to sock that away because I would rather give that in a different way. And there's, those people exist among us. And they, I marvel at their heart for people. Their hearts are moved by benevolence. Their hearts are moved by missions. Their hearts are moved by needs. They give of their treasure. Jesus gave his church a mandate to reach the world around them in these, in three areas. Sorry, Acts 1 and 8 gives us these three areas. Jesus says, you shall be witness to me in Jerusalem. Say Jerusalem. And all Judea and Samaria. Say Judea and Samaria. And to the ends of the earth. Say to the ends of the earth. Let's talk about in Jerusalem. What is Jerusalem for us? Jerusalem is Plano, Texas. Jerusalem is our city. Jerusalem is your neighborhood. It is your home. It is your job. It is your school. It is the areas closest to you. You're already there. Do you get it? Jesus says what he says in Acts 1.8. He's standing in Jerusalem. Wherever you are, that's your Jerusalem. And you should be witnesses of him beginning where? Right where you are. It doesn't work that God makes you a witness somewhere else. God makes you a witness right where you are. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their trouble. James 1 and 27 says this. Do you think God wants us to minister to orphans and widows in our Jerusalem? Yes, God absolutely does. Do you think God wants us to reach out to those that are lost and hurting in our Jerusalem? Yes, absolutely. Do you think God wants us to reach out to those that are having a crisis of faith in our Jerusalem? Yes, yes, and yes, it begins here. I'm telling you that you might be at church one Sunday just because you need to help somebody who sits on the row with you. That's your Jerusalem. We're called to reach Jerusalem. The primary way we reach our Jerusalem, our city, is by going beyond these walls through our daily life and through community outreach efforts. We're going to find ways to reach our Jerusalem. We're so thankful we've started these community outreaches. We've already done one that was very successful. We're getting another one started. We mention it. When we mention it, sign up for it. Be a part of it. You'll be glad you do. That's how you reach Jerusalem. Number two, in Judea and Samaria, that's the area beyond where you are. Our state and our nation can be our Judea and Samaria. 
These are the areas beyond our daily routine. Wherever your daily routine is, that's Jerusalem. The area beyond, that is your Judea and Samaria. Does God want to move in those areas? Yes, he does. To the weak, I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. That's 1 Corinthians 9 and 22. The, the primary way we're going to reach our Judea and Samaria, our state and our nation, is by starting new churches. Yeah. If we want to reach Paris, Texas, let's help a church in Paris, Texas start. You understand that? If we want to reach some community over here, oh, the number one way we're going to do that is we either find a church there that needs help or we start a church there. That's how we're going to do those things. And strengthening existing churches and through prayer. I want to tell you we're already doing that. When we talk about Beirut, Lebanon, when we talk about My Cop, Russia, when we talk about Sequintes, Cuba, when we talk about uh, Kathmandu, Nepal, when we talk about Mejia, Texas, where we're joined with those people. Where, where we're, uh, when we talk about uh, Marble Falls, Texas, where we're closely linked in with those, that church in, in Arlington. These places, what are we doing? That's our Judea. That's our Samaria. That's who we are as a church. We want God to do great things here, but we equally want to see God do great things everywhere. That's what we want to see. Next, number three, it says to the ends of the earth. Where's to the ends of the earth? It's everywhere. It's your entire planet. It's everywhere. It's beyond your nation. It's everywhere. They might not even speak your language. They might not be your color of skin. They might have a different culture altogether, but that's to the ends of the earth. Does God want us to work there? Does God want our influence to work? Does God want our witness to reach to the ends of the earth? Absolutely. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Mark 16 and 15. Redemption is a giving church. We generously and strategically give to mission works all around the world with a focus on missionaries, unreached people groups, children, and church planting. We care about it. We believe that God has, is, that's one of our purposes in God to do those things. We care about it greatly. Number six, we're a joyful church. That's not word. They're joyful church. Psalm 102 says, serve the Lord with gladness we insist that every volunteer serves the lord with gladness if you can't gladly do a particular ministry we either need to pray for you in this altar or we need to find another area where you can gladly serve that's just all there is to it god wants you to serve him gladly listen bring it in close listen if you are ever bummed out about ministry Let's talk. We don't want it to be a burden to you. We don't want it to be depressing for you. We don't want it to be a source of frustration for you. We want it to be a source of joyful gladness and fulfillment and passion in Jesus Christ. That's what we wanted. So anytime, come talk to us. We care about it. Their burnout is real. We don't want you to burn yourself out. We want you to gladly pursue 
ministry. If you aren't gladly able to do a particular ministry, let's work on it. Let's find the way to do that. All right, the worst kept secret. Ever said the worst kept secret? My gosh, every member is a gifted minister. I'm going to make that a worst kept secret around here. Every member here is gifted in an area of ministry. Yeah. I was talking to someone uh, just today. I think it was my beautiful wife. We, we were just talking about <clears throat> different areas of the church. And so we, you've got <clears throat> some people would be scared to death to come up and do this job of talking. Right? They would be scared to death to even walk into a Sunday school room and talk in the Sunday school room. Right? So their, their gift of exhortation, their gift of like outward leadership, maybe their leadership gift is not high. Maybe that's low. Maybe that's a stressor for them. So guess what? They could be in the same room doing ministry without holding the mic. What if, what if instead of being the person at the front of the Sunday school talking, you were the person that got the room ready? What if you had the gift of hospitality and you went, I just love to make rooms ready for people. Those people exist. They are weird. I don't understand them. Brayden, I don't get those people. But there's, that's their gift. And that's awesome because you know what? I'm the guy that talks, and I can't do hospitality worth anything. I'm terrible at it. So maybe you come into the room and do your work of hospitality. Maybe you do your work of administration and just make sure we have pens stand out when we have booklets stand out. But you find that area to work in because every member is a gifted minister. We're going to find that area with you. What do you say? Here's the next one. Every task is important. Sometimes we put too much of a high priority on the tasks of others. And then we think, well, my task isn't, it's just not that important. You know, sure. Savannah's like, oh, I just went up and shared the word of God. It's not as big of a deal as Ron touching the, the soundboard. No, every task is important. And when you came up here today, and just glowed with the love of God and gave our scripture. Wasn't that wonderful? Yeah. Wasn't that an important task? Yeah, it was. And guess what? Seeing her walk into a calling is important. And we're all about it. We want to see it. Every task is important. Every task is important. Everyone. There's another one. If I could add a little B section to this. is There are no thankless tasks. We thank you for every task you do. There is no such thing as a thankless task here. Last, I want to tell you, every member is a 10 in some area. We believe that strongly. We need to find that area for you. And we're going to set you free to be used by God like never before. Do you know what it looks like for someone to work in their gift? Here's an example. Joseph. You know Joseph in the Old Testament? He's the son of Israel. Joseph is called the dreamer. And he's known for interpreting dreams. But you could also call him this. Joseph the administrator. And while he prophetically told Pharaoh his dream. And was able to interpret dreams. Guess what? He is 
probably the most successful at being an administrator. Do you know that? From, from he, he ends up in a pit, and he steps up into a powerful house, the house of Potiphar, only to go to prison, and then he steps up to the palace. It's a wonderful story. Pit to Potiphar, prison to palace. 1 Timothy 4.14 says this, do not neglect the gift that is in you. There's a gift in you. And he could have neglected it, he could have given up. But in prison, he used his gifting to interpret dreams. He interprets the dream of a baker and a butler. And it gets him in front of Pharaoh. He interprets Pharaoh's dream. And then Pharaoh says, amazing, you just told me that a famine is coming to Egypt. So you know what? I'm going to put you in charge of that. But thankfully, he also had the gift of administration. And this is where Joseph's dream, as a dreamer, takes him into the Joseph administrator. He becomes number two in all of Egypt. And because of Joseph's administrative gift, countless lives were saved, including his brother's. Who originally threw him in the pit. He was able to administrate the food. Making sure we are saving enough food. And using it properly. That's Joseph the administrator. We always talk about Joseph the dreamer. Let's talk about Joseph the administrator. What's that hidden gift nobody talks about in your life? We want to know about it. How many people could be saved in this city? If we were all working in our gifting. How many people? There's 300,000 people in this city. There's people that do not know Jesus at all in this city. How many people could be saved? If you and I and all of us were working together in our gifting and our calling. If we're going to ask that, we need to ask it the opposite way. Here it is. How many people will be lost if we don't? How many people will be lost if we don't work in our gift? How many people would have been lost had Joseph not worked in his gift of administration? Whatever your gifting is, it can save someone. We believe it so strongly. We're willing to talk to you about it anytime. Number seven, this is our last point. After this point, I want our worship team to come. A church of honor. We're a church of honor. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Romans 12 and 10 says. We celebrate one another. We value one another. We are accountable to one another. That does mean this. When you're working in this church. If you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. We do have a right to talk to you about it. In love and in care. Not to embarrass you. But to honor you and protect you. And to protect the call that God has in your life. Do you see that? Right. We celebrate you. We value you. We are accountable to one another. I'm going to ask our worship team come. Our very next page is what we call our honor covenant. Covenant is an agreement. 
Covenant is an agreement together. We want to covenant with you. We've told you all that we want to be as a church today. This is what we want you to be. We want you to be above reproach. We want you to actively live for God. There are some, there are sins in our life that we need to get rid of. We need to move beyond those things. And in ministry, that is absolutely a necessity. We want you to work on these things. And we want you to covenant together. Maybe somewhere on this list you go, whoa, I kind of have trouble with that one. Well, let's pray together. Let's talk about it together. Let's work on it together. By God's help, you can overcome any sin. You can overcome any past. You can overcome any of it. All right? This is our honor covenant. The honor covenant is designed for entry level into working in our church. If we can't covenant together, then we can't work together. Okay? That you're welcome to be with us. You're welcome to worship with us. You're welcome to, to do all these things other than serve. In order for us to serve, we have to walk together. And how can two walk together except they be in agreement? Amos 3 and 3 says. So, I want you to take a few moments as we pray. I want you to pray about this. I want you to take this seriously. And I would, I'm hoping that God puts it on your heart to go ahead and sign your name and say, yes, I'm going to covenant with Redemption Church. I'm going to covenant to honor my church, to not do anything that would harm this church, to harm the testimony of this church, to harm my gifting and my calling in the Lord. Now I want you to set that book to the side. If you're not ready to sign that, there's no pressure. No one's going to pressure you at all. But let's set that book to our side. I want us to come talk to God tonight. I, I want us to talk to God about being that church he's called us to be. I want us to talk to God about reaching 300,000 people in our city limits. And talk to God about reaching people on your job. And reaching people in your school. Reaching people in your neighborhood. And even in your own home. We're going to talk about that tonight. These altars are open. If you want special prayer, if you want someone to pray with you, come to the front of this altar today, and we're going to pray with you. We believe we're that church that embraces the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Holy Spirit will do something supernatural in your life. We believe that you'll be so glad you came tonight. Let's talk to God as we worship and sing together. Let's reach out to Him in Jesus' name. Come on, church. For more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.